Good morning and welcome back. This is Tommy Ray, and we're in episode nine of Water Rights, Laws, Guns, and Money. We're going to talk about ditch operations today. We've talked about how water rights were started and the priority system, you remember. When a call is put on the river, the river commissioner has to start shutting off the more junior appropriators. It's complicated, sort of like a game of chess. Now we're really going to confuse and amaze you. It will become like a three-dimensional game of chess. It is more complicated than you can imagine. By now, you've either visited a couple of headgates or seen the pictures on our companion website, nowater.com. You have some idea as to how water is diverted off the river. Where's that water going? Clearly to farms. But how do they apportion that water to each farm that owns water in that ditch? Hmm, something to think about. Well, essentially, there are head gates or turnouts off the ditch to each farmer that owns shares in the ditch. And there are ditch riders, these are employees of the ditch company, that actually ride along the ditch. There is almost always a road along the entire ditch. The ditch riders set the head gates to each farm based on his percentage ownership of the ditch water. The ditch rider also maintains the ditch and removes debris from it and makes sure all farmers' individual head gates are working properly. You also remember that cities or industries can reallocate water by buying existing water rights from others usually from farmers who are ready to retire or cash in. Well, the priority dates of those water rights stay with the new buyers. So the river commissioners are not only dealing with the ditch head gates taking water to farms, but they have to figure out how many water rights a city may have and where those water rights have been transferred to. The priority our first appropriation date, of a water right always stays with it. For instance, let's say a city wants to buy the water rights off a farm. You would think that would be pretty simple, but it's not. I don't know of a single farm that has a direct water right out of the river. Many years ago, like probably by the early 1870s, Farmers had determined that it was more effective to band together and create larger dam structures on the river. They could then expand the ditch and irrigate more ground. They would also share in the expenses of maintaining the head gate, cleaning out the ditch, and making sure water flowed properly through the ditch. They created water co-ops. I haven't been able to find the historical connection between the very first water appropriators on the river and the expanded ditch system. All I know is that today, almost all ditches 
operate as mutual ditch companies. A mutual ditch company is a legal entity recognized by the state. Practically all ditches have more than one priority for their water rights. This is easy to comprehend how it happened. I apologize for the next two minutes. I'm going to throw a bunch of numbers at you. You need a minimal grasp of these numbers to understand why ditches are complicated. Let's establish some hypothetical farmers along a stretch of the Platte between Denver and Greeley. Let's say Farmer Smith moved there in 1867 and started irrigating about 200 acres of ground. He built a dam across the Platte and diverted two cubic feet a second of water to his ground. Well, maybe Farmer Miller moved in two years later on downstream. He was a neighbor of Farmer Smith. Rather than build a new dam, he just went to Farmer Smith and asked if he could use Smith's ditch to carry more water further out a little. Of course, Miller would compensate Smith by agreeing to keep the ditch cleaned and help maintain the dam and headgate. Miller had more money and bought more ground. He wanted to divert 15 cubic feet a second beginning in 1869. So this one headgate was now allowed to divert 17 CFS under two rights, an 1867 right for two CFS and an 1869 right for 15 CFS. Five years pass. A third farmer sees what's going on and buys 2,000 acres of dry prairie next to them and joins with Smith and Miller to further enlarge the ditch. He applies for 300 CFS with a date of 1874. Finally, a group of investors three years later, we're now up to 1877, buys even more ground, joins the group, enlarges the ditch, and gets another right for 800 CFS. So now the ditch is getting pretty big. It has the right to divert 1,117 CFS cubic feet per second of water under four water rights. An 1867 right for two CFS, an 1869 right for 15 CFS, an 1874 right for 300 CFS, and an 1877 right for 800 CFS. By this time, the group of farmers had surely come up with a set of rules or bylaws as to how much each farmer had to contribute to the maintenance and operation of the ditch. They formalized it among themselves to avoid conflict and misunderstandings. They even came up with a name, Platte Valley Irrigating Company. Why were some of the later priority dates so large? I have read that investors realized they could buy dry ground for $1 an acre. By enlarging a ditch and carrying water further out onto the prairie, they would then have irrigated acres, and they could sell these irrigated acres for $10 an acre. A lot of English investment money came in to enlarge the ditches 
and share in the profits of the increase in prices of dirt from $1 to $10 per acre. I hope someone out there listening can verify this for me, but it sure makes sense. Of course, the investors hired teams of men to dig the ditches. They used mule-drawn scrapers to pull the dirt up and make the ditches follow the contour of the land so the water would flow smoothly. Took lots of surveying work. I have seen pictures of the mule-drawn scrapers. Boy, more really hard work. And I learned that a mule skinner was the driver with a long whip that would pop the tips of the ears of the mules to get them to move. Now, there's an interesting tidbit of trivia for you. This same scenario of ditches being enlarged and adding new water rights was playing out up and down the plat between Denver and Greeley. Let's do two more hypotheticals. The Horseshoe Ditch Company had water rights of 3 CFS in 1866, 40 CFS in 1870, 500 CFS in 1871, and another 1,200 CFS in 1882. Next, Farmers Cooperative Irrigating Company started in 1868 with 50 CFS, added 180 CFS in 1872, and a 700 CFS right came in in 1888. Now, let's fast forward to today. There are about 10 big ditches that divert in this area. The flow in the Platte varies with rainfall, snowmelt, inflow from other creeks, and return flows. Remember, the farmer puts more water on his ground than is actually consumed, and usually half or two-thirds fairly soon gets back to the river. The USGS measures flow in the Platte at specific points along the river, and those are published sometimes on an hourly basis. But let's just suppose the flow in the Platte today is 800 CFS. The flow also varies diurnally during the day, mainly because of the different times of day people are bathing, cooking, etc., Because it takes some time for water to get through the sewer pipes and through the wastewater treatment plant, the flow of water immediately below the sewage outfall may vary from 600 to 1,000 CFS. The river commissioner is constantly adjusting head gates to make sure all those head gates are properly set so the more senior rights get their water before the junior rights in reverse order, as we've discussed previously. In our hypothetical examples, when water levels get low, the Farmers Cooperative 1888 right to 700 CFS would be the first to be trimmed. With reseeding flows in the plat, the Horseshoe Ditch Company's 1882 right to 1,200 CFS would then be shut off. Then the Platte Valley's 1877 right to 800 CFS would be curtailed. Then the Platte Valley's 1874 right would be curtailed, then back to Farmers Co-op 1872 right, etc. 
Were you keeping track of the dates of all these rites and how much water would have to be curtailed to keep the more senior rata rites satisfied? And these are just three ditches. There are at least 10 in this stretch of the plat that the river commissioner has to adjust. And on top of that, because the sewage return flows surge twice daily, once when people get up in the morning and take showers, and once when they come home and start cooking, now the commissioner has to make sure those slugs of water coming down the plat are being apportioned properly. Some head gates that he might have throttled back earlier in the day because of lower flows, suddenly there's a slug of water coming down the river that those more junior and usually larger rights can be turned back on. The river commissioner has to be on the move constantly. It really does feel like a three-dimensional game of chess with the commissioner being the one making all the moves. I have tried to put myself in the shoes of a new hire being trained to be a river commissioner. I think I would have to train for at least two years to even begin to comprehend how to set all the head gates so the ditch companies are getting the water they are entitled to under their different sets of water rights. I want to describe the process of the river commissioner changing the head gates on a city intake, considering the myriad of water rights within a city's portfolio of water. They have many more water rights than the farmers. But one final sort of cleanup point for farm ditches. Mutual ditch companies are the most common kind of irrigation company. It is a private Nonprofit, voluntary, fee collecting legal entity. The ditch company owns the water rights and members own shares in the company. And a share in one company does not equate to a share in another company. For instance, in the hypothetical Platte Valley Irrigating Company above, the company may have issued 1,000 shares. Since the company has the right to divert 1,117 CFS of water coming through the head gate, each share should generate 1.117 CFS of water. So if you were a farmer owning 20 shares, you theoretically should be receiving 22.34 CFS of water at your individual turnout off the main ditch onto your farm. But there are ditch losses that have to be accounted for. And I believe those losses are shared equally all along the ditch. In other words, the farmer at the end of the ditch gets the same amount of water per share as a farmer at the front of the ditch. I hope that makes sense to you. Now, because of ditch losses, our farmer with 20 shares may only be receiving 20 CFS of water, not his calculated share of 22.34 CFS of water. Water is allocated by shares owned. 
and shareholders pay annual assessments for company upkeep, just like paying an HOA fee to your homeowners group to keep the mutually owned parts looking good and operating properly. Let's quickly compare Platte Valley Irrigating Company's 1,117 CFS to the Horseshoe Ditch Company's 1,743 CFS under its existing rights. Maybe when the bylaws of the Horseshoe Company were set up, they issued only 100 shares. So a farmer with only two shares of Horseshoe Ditch would be getting 34.86 CFS. And after ditch losses, let's say he is only getting 30 CFS. So would you rather own 20 shares of the Platte Valley Ditch or two shares of Horseshoe? Clearly, you would want to own the two shares because it delivers more water. Now pretend you are a city and trying to buy water from these two farmers. The Platte Valley farmer is asking $1 million per CFS that he has the right to divert. Whoa, he is asking $20 million for the 20 shares delivering roughly 20 cubic feet a second? Meanwhile, the horseshoe farmer is asking only $800,000 per CFS that he has the right to divert. He is asking $24 million for his shares delivering 30 CFS. Looks like horseshoe is a better deal. More water with a cheaper per CFS price. Clearly, the farmer under horseshoe is using more water. 30 CFS versus 20 CFS. You, the city manager, now need to look at which sale will get you the most water. In a drier year, the Horseshoe Ditch Company's big right of 1,200 CFS with a priority date of 1882 is going to get cut off sooner than the Platte Valley's big right of 800 CFS with a priority date of 1877. Remember, Horseshoe is asking a lesser price for what appears to be more water. But the Platte Valley farmer is going to continue getting more water in the drier years. If I'm the city manager, I'm going to hire someone who knows how to analyze which farmer has the most water to sell. That's where water rights engineers come into play. They will search through the state records on how much water was diverted into each ditch on a daily basis. Remember, it changes from day to day. It generally goes down throughout the year, but could go up depending on rainfall and runoff events. Through his research of the records, the water engineer will be able to pretty accurately tell how much water was delivered to each river headgate and thus to each farm over a long period of time, maybe 20 to 40 years. They want to include dry years so they can determine the effects of the junior water rights. 
Then, knowing how much water each share is entitled to, the engineers can determine how much water was diverted to each farm. To determine consumptive use on each farm, the water engineer will also look at crops grown, evaporation rates, soil types, etc. Now factor into your thinking as a city manager that the unit of exchange when buying a water right is always acre-feet of consumptive use. You can only transfer off the farm the consumptive use. This protects all other diverters of water from the stream. So, for our simple example, we're going to use the round number of one acre foot of consumptive use per irrigated acres. Of course, the water engineers will come up with a more accurate number. Now, let's take a closer look at these two farms. They are both the same size. Both are raising corn and both are irrigating 1,000 acres. So quick and dirty looks like both have 1,000 acre feet of consumptive use water that can be transferred off the farms. Platte Valley Farmer is asking 20 million and Horseshoe Farmer is asking 24 million. Now things have changed. Clearly the Platte Valley Farm is the better deal. I'm so sorry I took you through all these hoops. I just wanted to demonstrate that the acquisition of water is complicated. It sure looked like the horseshoe farmer had more water. In fact, he did, but only for use on his farm. And he can continue to use that much water on his farm forever. Remember, he gets all the water he ever got. So buyer beware. If you are looking to buy a piece of property as an investment for the water rights, be careful. Get some good engineering and legal advice. I think I would go with a Platte Valley farmer. Now, these are big numbers, and not that many farmers are irrigating a 1,000 acres, but they are out there. A lot of farmers are really well off. You'd never know. So next time you are having a beer at a local bar, don't be surprised that you may be sitting near some very rich people that look like what you want a farmer to look like. I stepped off into this episode thinking I was going to explain not only how difficult the water commissioner's jobs are, but the difficulty of keeping track of all the city's water diversions that now have many, many different water rights and different priority dates. I guess after a city has been keeping track of their water diversions for many decades, they easily know how to make sure they are getting all the water they are entitled to. I know I have made your brain stretch to try to remember all the different priorities of these three hypothetical ditches. What about the 400 ditches scattered throughout the state? The Division of Water Resources has more than 200 employees that keep track of all these things. They have all the records. God help us that their offices never burn down. Of course, everything is now computerized. Let's hope their files are well backed up. 
I'm tired of trying to keep track of all these numbers. This is a good place to stop. I'm always open to suggestions or corrections. I can be reached at Tommy at NoWater.com, K-N-O-W hyphen water.com. Next time, I want to get away from the Platte and maybe cross the Continental Divide to talk a little about the Colorado River. I'll do some research to give you rough numbers on why the Colorado is so contentious. But I'm going to take a few minutes by our quiet mountain stream and relax. Thanks for listening. See you next time.